0: Welcome to another edition of Stokes and Folks. It's great to have you here. Um, my my uh, significant other, other, my spouse, says, "Why do you say? Why do you insist on saying the L in Folks?" I said, "Because that's how it's spelled," and and so I say the L. But she thinks I should say it Stokes and Folks without the L. We're joined today uh, on on Friday. Uh, By Taylor Morgan, who I believe is the most knowledgeable person in the state uh, with regard to count my vote and SB 54 and everybody throws around this term. SB 54. And I'm convinced nobody knows what the hell it means most of the time. So I thought it would be a great time since we had another SB 54 scare uh, during this year's legislative session. But for, uh, I put, if you could see me, I'm putting in air quotes, a secret meeting, which was held at the the, uh, governor's mansion, I think it was a Saturday before the end of the session. But welcome, Taylor. Thanks so much. Really excited to be here. Okay, Taylor, uh, and and if you could see him, I mean, the enthusiasm on his face when he said that was remarkable uh, and real. It was real. (laughs) Uh, uh, But Taylor uh, um, is a partner in um, uh, Morgan and May Public Affairs, which does a lot of public affairs work in the state of Utah. And for those that are looking for someone to do public affairs. Morgan may won't won't let you down, but um, oh, thank you. Tell me, tell me, I w- just first off, just give me a little background how you ended up back in was it 2013 or 14 being involved with Count My Vote.
1: Yeah, so I had been working at the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah, and we had been doing a lot of research on Utah's historical decline in voter participation. Back. And you, you mentioned that to me, and I didn't know we were so low.
0: What what were we?
1: So we had gone from being uh, regularly a top five, top ten state in terms of voter turnout uh, to being in the bottom five uh, back in uh, 2010, 2012. And a lot of this we found uh, through research working at the Hinkley Institute was because of the declining threshold that Utah's Republican state convention. The threshold to avoid a primary election in Utah's Republican party over the years had gone from 80% down to 70% down to 60% where where it was back then. And the consequence was the primary elections in Utah were very, very rare. They were non-existent because you could come
0: out of the convention. If you could get 60%, you didn't have to go to a primary.
1: Right. And so by the time voters actually participated in an election. It was usually in the general, and by then the decision had been made at convention, and so voters didn't really feel like there was any need to turn out, which and
0: vote. is probably offensive to say to all the Democrats that are listening. Um, the one Democrat that may be listening to this, <laughs> that that uh, um, it had already been made. But the, we're an overwhelmingly Republican state, so of course, by the time you get to the general, if the if the convention. You know, delivers
1: the person, the Republican, to the general ballot. It's pretty much over at that point. That's exactly right. We it is a one party state. We are a very, very red state, and it's simply the reality that without a Republican primary election, uh, the decision essentially is made by the time it's the general. And yeah. so that w- that contributed to low voter participation, and we started to look at what we could do to get more more voters engaged in the process, to get more candidates reaching out to voters and so the count my vote initiative uh, eventually i was i went from the hinkley institute to then working for lieutenant governor greg bell at the time in and the this state is elections office right
0: after um, gary herbert ascended to the governorship uh, when john huntsman left
1: that's right and and then greg bell was appointed to be the lieutenant governor that's right so i work was working in lieutenant governor bell's office and uh, was still involved with uh, some of the leaders behind Count My Vote, former Governor Mike Levitt, uh, his uh, chief of, former chief of staff, uh, Rich McKeon, and others. And uh, we, I left the lieutenant governor's office in uh, 2013 uh, to be the executive director, to organize and lead the first Count My Vote statewide initiative.
0: How old were you? Oh. Just out of curiosity, not, not that you know. I'm going to age discriminate, but you had to have been young. <laughs>
1: Uh not that young. Uh I would say I was late 20s. Yeah. yeah, but but late 20s working with
0: uh with you know Governor Governor Levitt, former secretary of HHS cuz he had already come back right at that point. That's right. Yeah. And, and um boy how time flies. So so you're trying to get
1: an initiative on the ballot then. Right, exactly right. And in fact, this is kind of a fun point. I remember uh one of the very first meetings that I went after when I before I left the state elections office, I I took Marty Carpenter to lunch. Uh, he was the communications director for the governor, and he had done Herbert's recent campaign. Did, did he have
0: hair then? Did Marty have he hair? Actually then? He actually did. He had a lot more okay, hair back right. then. Okay, that's not the Marty I know then.
1: Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I picked Marty's brain, and he he gave me some really sound communication and messaging advice. And he may not, that may not be something he would like to, uh, you know, own at this point. But uh, some really smart advice from Marty. So shout out to him for that. Uh, Really helped me kind of cut my teeth in terms of uh, political messaging, communications, and getting off on the right foot to run this initiative.
0: So... So and back then, uh, we we were chatting a little bit about this. There there wasn't a po- a professional signature gathering company in the state. So how did you go about getting enough signatures to to potentially make your
1: way to the ballot? So we really started this by scratch, and we built uh, a cloud server uh, using the voter database, and we hired uh, a small group of internal staff that would verify volunteer signatures throughout the state, signature by signature based on the current voter database. And that approach sounds obvious right now, but at the time nobody had ever done that before. And I was in the lieutenant governor's office and had watched, you know, the Utah's for Ethical Government initiative, some of these other initiatives uh, really step into a minefield and make some big mistakes uh, around signature verification. So we were able to kind of do some new things and build the verification process, understand the timeline, and really, I think, develop what at the time was really kind of the first modern database approach to initiatives in the state.
0: Because I think one of the things a lot of people may not know, you have to gather signatures from every
1: corner of the state.
0: And 26
1: and- of 29 Senate districts, not counties, Senate districts. And if you look at the statewide map of Senate districts, some of these districts are just crazy. And there are a number of Senate districts where there is not a single population center of more than five or 6,000 voters. Well,
0: and I'm sure this was put in place to make it easier to get initiatives on the ballot.
1: Well. <laughs> yeah, uh I, I'm
0: sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and one of the other things we discovered in doing a little uh pre-show research is that this threshold was changed from 5% uh on a a gubernatorial election to 8% on a presidential election. So a larger number in a larger turnout election year uh which even you know has a, that's another hurdle that you have to overcome to get an initiative on the ballot, so it's it's. I guess for those listening, I, my message
1: is: it's not easy to get something on the ballot. But this never made it to the ballot. No, we were on. We had gathered about a hundred and fifteen thousand valid signatures at the time, um, and then uh, Senator Kurt Bramble introduced the first version of SB fifty four, and completely knocked us off. I mean, we. We were not aware of this at all. And what he did, which was brilliant strategically, is he took our initiative language, which was publicly available, and he literally copied it word for word, and he added then an escape clause for the parties that would allow them to continue using caucus convention. Our first initiative was direct primaries only.
0: And, and a lot of people, you know, in within the party, there are a lot of, you know, party faithful that believe that... Um, senator bramble did something bad but in reality he saved the caucus convention system but for but for senator bramble and i think it's been misinterpreted over the years but for senator bramble that initiative would have gone on the ballot and probably passed
1: that's exactly right we had the signatures uh even when a few legislators uh expressed a little a little doubt we then I remember this day, we took vans full of bankers' boxes with signature packets and dumped them in Salt Lake County, Davis, and Weber counties just to overwhelmingly demonstrate that we had the signatures, right? There was no doubt we had the signatures, we had the public support. This was going to get on the ballot, and it would have passed overwhelmingly on the ballot. And so Senator Bramble, by stepping in with his original SB54 really forced us to pump the brakes and to come to the table and negotiate with him.
0: And and it's one of the things that Senator Kurt Bramble is known for, and that is getting all the sides around the table and reaching some kind of consensus negotiation uh, to compromise, uh, if you will. And then once again, famously back in 2014, he did it again. But interestingly enough, the House sponsor was Senator Dan McKay, who fast forward to 2021 legislative session and and tell us a little bit about what happened this year in
1: 2021. So yeah, recently elected, I, I don't know if he was a freshman at the time, but he certainly hadn't been in the legislature long, uh, Representative Dan McKay back in 2014. He was our house sponsor for SB 54. Well, I, I think he's had uh, some buyer's remorse over the years and he is. Ever since 2014, he has been trying to undo uh, the bill that he passed in 2014. But I think it's
0: buyer's remorse because um, he probably gets beat up a lot because people don't understand what happened back in 2014, or they've or they've forgotten that really the two of them saved. The caucus convention system,
1: right? Without that bill, there would be no caucus convention system. Because today.
0: the initiative did what? Was it just direct primary? Direct
1: primaries only was the original in- initiative, and that actually, among voters, it's more popular to go direct primary only.
0: Did With- you have a provision in the initial in the in that initiative that that took into account if it? If there were a person who, for example, this year got 33% of the vote or 36 whatever it was, uh, in a four-way open governor's seat, did you have a provision in
1: there to do some kind of instant runoff? Or No, we didn't in 2013, but we, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but we ran a second initiative to fix some of the issues. With the ultimate SB fifty four compromise. and one of those key fixes was uh, a runoff provision in the case that any candidate received less than thirty five percent.
0: And that what year was that? The two thousand
1: seventeen.
0: And and it was knocked off. Uh, signatures were disqualified. They, they were rescinded. Removed, yeah. Rescinded. Yeah, uh, which took you off of the ballot, and and that was led by. The people that were removing those signatures. What group would you call
1: that? Was keep my voice, I believe. Yeah, keep uh, my voice. Which was yeah, which is an
0: ironic name since uh,
1: <laughs> since there is really what
0: should have been called keep my keep a few people's voice.
1: Right, Maybe I think that was in two thousand thirteen. They were keep keep our caucus, uh, KOC, and they realized that acronym was a problem. And uh, so they they, they changed <laughs> their marketing and went with uh, keep my voice in uh, 2017. And yeah, they credit to them they they rescinded uh, about 570 signatures across three different Senate districts, and they they got us off the ballot in a couple of those just by a, a handful of signatures. And because so we, once again,
0: you have to have 26 of the 29 exactly counties. Exactly. Right. So if you get yeah. knocked off in some of the smaller ones,
1: you're off. Right. And so, so here, the issue we have faced ever since 2014 is those who support the Cox convention system, they don't like SB 54. They don't like the compromise, which is the dual path. Having both the signature path and the Cox convention path, they will not rest. They will not be happy until it is convention only again. You know, they want 3,800 Republicans choosing candidates for all 800,000 Republicans. That's, 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 the way they want it, they they do not want to improve the system. They want to go back to the way it was. Because
0: let's let's uh, point out to the listeners that in in Utah, Repu- the Republican primary is a closed primary. So it, it's not you know no, you can't just have a Democrat come in and vote in the primary. You have to be a declared Republican. Voter to vote in the in the primary. The Democratic primary is open, but the Republican primary. So when you say they wanted 3,800 to pick as opposed to the 800,000, was that the other number you used? Yeah, or? we have
1: about 860, 870,000 registered Republicans now in Utah.
0: And so um, the 3,800 wanted to be able to pick the uh, the the person who went to the general election. If they could at the convention, so that's one of the frustrations with uh, with for them with SB fifty four, which I was I was mentioning to Taylor earlier. I've there's not I, I don't remember a bill number from session <laughs> to session because every bill is is numbered again the next session, and SB fifty four is used. And so we we did a little research uh, and figured out that since two thousand and thirteen. Uh, up and up to 2021, every bill numbered SB 54, except for one in 2016, has passed. And prior to that, it was uh, a 50-50 shot if your bill was numbered SB 54. But since 2014, 2013, every one of them has passed, except for that one in 2016. Uh, so it's a it's a unique number. People in the legislature, political hacks, political wonks, party loyalists. When you say SB 54, they immediately know what it is. If you said SB 44, no one would know what the heck you were talking about. So <laughs>
1: Yeah, see, I was surprised by these uh, by the results of, of our little research project here. I had assumed that we had so sullied the number SB 54 <laughs> that, you know, any bill SB 54 since 2014 would be less likely to pass. But it turns out... Uh, we have perhaps maybe improved the branding there. So, um yeah, I'm not sure what to think of that, but uh, well, I think what to think
0: of is you've made you've I think now legislators are going to compete to get that number because it it improves the rate of passage for their
1: bill. Now what what we need to make sure doesn't happen then is that the next attempt to repeal SB54 isn't also numbered SB54 so I'm a good little, point good point so, so
0: so back to the back to senator now senator mckay he introduced a piece of legislation this year kind of tell us a little bit about what that piece of legislation would have done and why people were concerned about it
1: yeah so SB205 was this year's attempt to essentially undo or repeal SB54 what SB205 would have done is it would have added an additional classification of political party in Utah uh, that if a political party opted in to this classification, this class A of political party, uh, a political party would not have to use the signature path for candidates. If the party agreed to establish a 66 or 70 percent threshold at their convention, uh, they could nominate candidates uh, by convention only and Uh, not have to use the signature path and so that was obviously a concern to us uh, with count my vote because the dual path having those two paths to the ballot for candidate nomination is kind of the key non-negotiable non-negotiable point uh, for for count my vote and that was the essence of the compromise uh, that we found in the original SB 54 and so this bill it was really actually uh, scary this year because it was the very first time in the history of every year there's been a repeal attempt but never before has the has Senate leadership and the Senate rules committee allowed a repeal attempt to actually get a vote in the Senate we know that this would have been supported in the house and so well and
0: a bill came out of the house one year and went to the went to the Senate
1: right and it 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 died in the Senate that's been that has been the most common Case right that a repeal v- attempt will pass the House overwhelmingly. It'll go to the Senate, and then the Senate Rules Committee has just held it. This year, it started in the Senate, and it passed committee in the Senate, and it was it went to Senate second reading. We defeated it on the first vote on second reading, uh, but then it came back. It was uh, we called it the zombie bill that night, and it, it, passed- was,
0: recall- it was recalled it was recalled. Uh, well, it wasn't recalled. It was I guess it was recalled. Somebody on the Senator Andrig. yeah, on the. Uh, the opposing side uh, voted to bring it back uh, and reconsider their vote, and then it passed to the third reading calendar. Correct. And so and it, at the end of the session, it died on the third reading calendar. It was sent uh, back to rules or circled, or, but it died in the Senate again, but on the third
1: reading calendar. Well, and uh, part of this was that meeting across the street from where we are now at the governor's mansion that Saturday. Uh, there were conversations among Dan McKay, and uh, Senator Bramble and, and leadership, and ultimately uh, a decision was made to hold on that bill this session. And so where we are now, uh, there's some real issues that we have to fix with SB 54 moving forward, uh, but we're in a place where never before had we seen so much momentum behind a repeal attempt, and so we're really concerned. And and so it probably changes uh
0: you know, the count my vote folks, it changes their view of whether or not to discuss or uh, revisit doing an, a new initiative. Um, so that will be fascinating to watch Taylor. Thanks so much for coming in today. We appreciate you being here and for the insight. So if you thought you knew SB 54, now you really do because you've listened to Stokes and folks. We'd like to thank once again, Taylor, for being here from the, uh, Morgan May public affairs, uh, company and for our producer, Connor Sorensen. We'll be back again next week.